the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good evening and welcome to Contending for the Faith, where the cutting-edge Christian apologetic ministry addressing the issues and the challenges facing today's church with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. Well, have you ever felt like your life is closer to a war zone than a peaceful oasis? Well, if that's you, fear not. There is hope for you because tonight we are bringing you part 23 in our series entitled Peace in the Midst of the Battle. You know, oftentimes when we, we hear words like battlefield, our minds envision a literal battlefield with bombs going off and machine gun fire all around, soldiers running, people screaming, chaos abounding. But have you ever considered that there is an intense battle raging in our thoughts on a daily basis, a battlefield of the mind? But again, I want to encourage you. No, I want to implore you. Do not despair. There is good news in the midst of the battlefield. You say, what is that good news? I'm so glad you asked. If you want to find out, you're going to have to stay tuned for this And much, much more, for we are not pretending, we are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed, and thank you so much for that uh, introduction. And we want to thank everybody out there in Radio Land for joining us for another edition of Contending for the Faith. And we have been talking about uh, this long series about peace in the midst of the battlefield. And boy, do we need that today. We're we're living in a battlefield everywhere you turn, in our homes, in our lives, in our marriages, in our churches, in our communities, all the way from the White House to the ranch house and to those who have no house, Uh, a battlefield waging and a war that's going on, and we need God's peace. And I have been talking about this thing of strife and division. And strife is an evil, brutal, hellish, wicked tool of Satan to cheat you and deceive you of God's peace. Anything that's going to bring you God's peace, Satan is in the business of Stilling, killing, and destroying everything that has to do with God's peace. You must not let him take the peace of God from you and the peace of God with you and the peace of God through you. A critical question I want to say to you in a few minutes, but I want to say this uh, before that. You know, strife first started in heaven with Lucifer, his rebellion against God and causing strife and division among the angels. 
And uh, strife always does this one thing. You can guarantee it. It divides people, just like it divided all the different angels, you know. And Satan was successful with that, and he came into the Garden of Eden, bringing strife and division. And he uses these tools, strife and division, to reap havoc in our lives, in our marriages, with our children, uh, with us even on our job, uh, with our grandchildren and great-grandchildren, and strife on, uh, in the community, strife, uh, even in the government. Satan is in the business of creating strife and division everywhere he turns. And I want to ask this critical question to you. Uh, What causes strife? That's a real important question. What causes strife? Now, there are eight things that causes strife and division from a biblical perspective, okay? And let's get into these eight things that causes strife. Number one. Hatred causes strife. Hatred. You know, there's so much hatred in our world today. The thing that drives people to kill people in terrorism and domestic terrorism, which relates to people bombing and killing people in schools and churches. And, you know, I think racism uh, is a form Also, it's not only a form of hatred, but we perpetuate it by simply blaming everything on racism. Don't you know that there's something greater than this this thing of racism, and that's sin? When man deals with sin, he'll stop being a racist. But we really have a tendency of blaming everything on racism. And what we do is create division and strife when we do that, because that's not really— Really, the root of the problem, the root of the problem is sin, not skin, not pigmentation, but biblical revelation. We need to understand God's revelation regarding this thing of race. God is not into race. He's into grace. And so hatred causes strife. That's number one. And we find with this, Proverbs 10 and 12 says, hatred stirs up strife and dissension. You need to write that down, Proverbs 10 and 12. That goes with number one, because I'm going to try to give you a scripture with all of these points that I'm going to be raising here. Number two, what causes strife? Perverse and violent people cause strife. Perverse and violent people cause strife. And we see this even in the book of Romans. We see this back in the early days of the Bible and history and On and on even today, you know, perverse and violent people cause strife. Look at all these people killing people at concerts and bombing people all over the the world. And, you know, many people have tried to discuss uh, a point of disagreement with someone and to bring uh, peace only to have them totally blow up at you and make some irrelevant accusation against you. And the same people will blow up over nothing. And uh, 
Even when you say you want to forgive them, they still want to blow up on you. Now, a scripture with this number two is Proverbs 16, 27 through 29. Verse 28 says, a perverse man stirs up strife, dissension, and gossip separates close friends. (laughs) You know, gossip doesn't bring people together. It separates them. This is what the Word of God says. There are people today more into gossip than the gospel. See, the gospel brings people together. The gossip separates people. And verse 29 says, A violent man entices his neighbor and leads him down a path that is not good. (laughs) That's what's happening today. A path that's not good. Violence, strife, and division leads people down a path that's not good. And we see this violence. Violent people and terrorism. And violent people attacking schools today. And people on their jobs. We just never know when our last day going to be on this planet because of these type of people today, these violent and perverse people. And they need Jesus. That's the only answer. Number three, an aggressive nature causes strife. An aggressive nature causes strife. Oh, this is good stuff. And we see in Proverbs 17 and 19, it says, He who loves transgression or rebellion loves sin. We see this today in uh, these aggressive people. They're even aggressive people when they do marches. They don't have no good intent, a lot of them. They just want to get out there and just stir things up and fight and argue. And, uh, you know, and Jesus is not in it. A lot of it is just the flesh. You know, the only thing that's going to change People from strife and division is a revival. We need a revival, reformation and revival, those two R's, reformation and revival. That's what God said to the children of Israel, turn back to the Word of God. And then every time they did that, revival took place. There's no other answer for our world today but revival. And the last revival that took place in the history of our time was during the hippie-yippie movement with Chuck Smith Ministry. Young people all over, young people all over came to know Jesus. And a lot of people that were hippies got tired of being a hippie, got tired of drugs and alcohol and all of that stuff, and they turned to the only answer, Jesus. And that's the only answer today is Jesus and revival, you know. And so an aggressive nature causes strife. You know, when you, when you don't have uh, calm, loving people in a marriage— you're going to always have an aggressive person who are persons in the homes, marriages, churches, and, and uh, that creates division and strife. Because you've got to turn that aggressive spirit over to God and have a Bible spirit. That's so important. Number four, scoffers. And scoffing causes strife. Scoffers or scoffing causes strife. And we call this also a smart mouth and mocking mouths and people who are into either mocking the people or joking about people in the wrong way. See, you can put that with that. And you know what? A mocker also is somebody that always says what's on their mind. You know, you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Don't just say whatever's on your mind. Make sure that the Lord is saying that on your mind before you say it. 
You know, and a smart mouth that smarts off to someone is a scoffer. And uh, we have so many smart mouth people who criticize our Christian, Judeo-Christian worldview. An example, Bill Maher, Richard Dawkins, and we have atheists, agnostic, and skeptics, and, and, you know, we have people constantly criticizing our Christian faith. These are scoffers, and uh, they always love to create drama and strife. And Proverbs 22 and verse 10 is a scripture that go with that, says, drive out the mocker, and out goes strife and quarrels and insults. Area ends. <laughs> oh, that's a powerful scripture, Proverbs 22 and 10. Number five, uh, an out-of-control anger that fights and loves to fight with a out-of-control anger always causes strife. And now uh, when you, you look at out-of-control anger today, it's against the Word of God because the Bible says, be angry and sin not. When you have an out-of-control anger, you're sinning. And we have so many people today who are out-of-control killing people in schools and churches and, and uh, concerts and events and stuff like that because Jesus is not in their life. They need Jesus. They need to turn to him because this is the thing that causes strife. And, uh, you know, and anger will not only cause you to cause strife with others, but it can also cause you to kill somebody or get yourself killed. Proverbs 29 and 22 says, an angry man stirs up dissension and a hot-tempered one commits many sins. Oh, that's a powerful scripture with this, and pretty much I'm going to have to stop at this fifth one because we have eight points to give you, but this is serious here. This is very serious that we need to turn to Jesus, and uh, he will control our hearts and control our minds and control our thoughts. We need to repent. We need to turn to him. And remember this in closing. I'm going to give you a scripture with this uh, point that I just uh, have given you. Uh, Proverbs 15 and 1. Proverbs 15 and 1. This is the answer to a hot-tempered person. It says, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stirreth up anger. You know, and James says, be slow to speak, quick to hear, and slow to wrath. You need to apply these two scriptures to your life, in your life, in your marriage, in your home, on your job, in your community, everywhere you go. And when Jesus takes control of your tongue— then it will be used for the glory of God rather than used for destructive purposes. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches regarding these eight points that we'll be picking up from the fifth point. Brother Gary. Well, all right. It's time for us to take a commercial break. Our phone lines are lit up like a Christmas tree. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area Pastor, Lecturer, Counselor, and Expert on the Cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. Once again, I'd like to thank all of you who have been 
intensely praying for this ministry. It's an amazing thing. We always say, and we believe God's word when it says the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much, and your prayers have availed much over the years for this ministry. We can attest to that, and we can give a testimony to that because we've been on the air a very long time. It's nothing but short of the result of your prayers and your financial giving. So we can't thank you enough. Continue to pray, be consistent in prayer, and we also want to thank those who have uh, been generous and have given financially over the last week, uh, Camila and Bomani, Rick, Nancy, and Jerry, Jackie, and Scott. Uh, it does cost us 400 a week to remain on the air, and right now we are in need of $180 to, uh, to take care of a shortfall. So we need your help. We need your support. Uh, we need your prayers. We need all of the above to maintain this ministry. And it's so vital. If you've been blessed by contending for the faith, and if you've been blessed by Dr. Buckner's teachings, we just want to encourage you to partner with us financially. There's two ways to donate. Number one, send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Number two, the second way is so much simpler. Just get online and go to contendingfaith.org. That's contendingfaith.org. And click on the donate button. And it's that simple. You will be a blessing for time and eternity. So we want to encourage you. Continue to pray. We want to encourage you. Be consistent in your giving. And a quick announcement, Dr. Buckner is going to be teaching a class entitled Extreme Discipleship Part 2. Many of you attended Part 1. Well, Part 2 is coming, so you don't want to miss out. It's going to begin on uh, September the 9th. It'll be at the East Bay Baptist Association office located at 1221 Pacific Avenue in San Leandro. Um, It'll be from 7 to 9 p.m. every Monday, once again, beginning September the 9th. It's a five-week class. So if you're interested and we want to encourage you, come out, take advantage of Dr. Buckner's great teachings, and you, you'll you be blessed. If you're interested in class, uh, give him a call at area code 415-721-1778. Again, his number is area code 415-721-1778. <clears throat> or you can email him at jlbcftf at comcast.net that's jlbcftf at comcast.net well dr buckner without further ado we should get to these callers who have been so patient let's do that okay we're going to go to sophia are you there yes now look i'm going to be very fast because everyone (coughs) needs to get on i'm not going to i had a question about predestination i'm going to save it for next week if you don't mind you always say what's on your heart i'm going to be very quick and can I tell you what's on my heart? Sure, please. Please okay. do. Okay. So what's on my heart, and then I have a comment, and I'll be real, real fast, is I, I, I don't know, I felt compelled this week. And by the way, Dr. Buckley, your opening, of course, was big, fabulous, and there was another shooting, 21 people in Odessa. Okay, tonight or yesterday, today, I think tonight. But anyway, I, I, first of all, I wanted to pray for um, the brother Rick who calls mm-hmm. because he has trouble sleeping. And he says his legs, uh, something, and, and maybe he has a sickness. I wanted to pray for him. I wanted to pray for you, Brother Gary, because a couple of weeks ago 
You said you need a little financial relief, so I pray for that. Well, thank you. uh, And then I want to pray for Cece, because he said his apartment needed some work, and his mother, Rolinda Rosaletta. Rosalinda. Rosalinda wasn't feeling well. And, of course, for you, Dr. Buckner, and your family, and, of course, all the listeners for Contending with Faith, and it's my prayer that the Lord would supply what what all of you need. Mm. And, you know, we have to pray for each other at this time. Absolutely. And, I mean, this is, it, it, it is, it, it's an expression, American expression, where, you know, um, the rubber meets the road, mm-hmm. I heard it, and it's, it's you know, mm-hmm. this, this is, the, that there's no other time. This is, it's kind of desperate, because you know what, Dr. Buckner, um, uh, you know, the, what you were saying when people blame other people and, and they throw out the races, whatever they're saying, you know why? It's because they don't want to admit that they are sins and they have to change their ways. Mm. So it's easier to get angry and blame other people rather than say, hey, you know, I have to work on my, myself. So I'm, I'm very, very bad. But I thought I'm not going to take time with my question because... I feel this tremendous love for everybody calling and listening, seeking God. And, uh, and, and also I want to say, you know, I know that all these people I mentioned, they're saying, oh, no, not her. We don't even understand her. But you know what, and, and would she be the one to pray for us? Oh, no. But you know what, God speaks all languages. Don't worry. He understands me. So when I pray for you, he'll understand what I'm saying. So don't don't be sad about that because he knows what I'm saying, and we all need to really stay together and 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 then reach out to other people. So that's all I wanted to say. And, well, and you, you 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 stay on the line because you've knocked the home run with uh, all the stuff you've shared, and I know a lot of people listening have been really touched and encouraged. And so what we're going to do is pray around those. Uh, prayer requests and always be encouraged anytime you uh, have a heart to pray for others they are blessed and encouraged by that so brother gary why don't we lift up these prayers that uh mm-hmm. prayer request that uh, our sister has mentioned and you know sophia you are very articulate and i don't know what you're talking about because you're easily understood mm-hmm. uh and you're clear and precise and so don't ever feel self-conscious about Whatever. <laughs> oh, thank you. Because I, I wonder if people are saying, "Oh, no, not her." Please no, don't no, put no, her no, 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 no. Don't don't even think that way. Uh, just know that anytime you are reaching out for others, uh, just know that it's a blessing, and always look at it that way. Don't look at it any other way. Satan would want you to do that mm-hmm. to think about what others are thinking about you. But mm-hmm. the issue is not what others are thinking about you, but what the Lord is thinking about you and working through you. So mm-hmm. that's the important thing. Absolutely, you're clear as crystal as far as I'm concerned. Amen. Oh, thank you. Well, so let's much. pray around these prayer All requests right. that you All have. All right. So we thank you for our sister Sophia, for her heart, Lord God, of love, Lord God, that you put it in our heart, Lord God, to 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 have this empathy for our needs. And Lord, we lift up Brother Rick and his his uh, need to be able to sleep and his leg issues, Lord God, and all the the health issues he's battling, Lord God. We pray that you would encourage him, that you'd bless him, that you. Give him a, a steadfast heart, Lord God, heart filled with joy and a, and a deep abiding sense of your presence. We pray, Lord God, for Brother Cece and his mother, Rosalinda, 
and that you'd meet all the needs that are represented in this family. We pray, Lord God, over my finances as well, Lord God, and we know that you're faithful in all these areas, Lord God. You have never left us. You've never, uh, you've always been there with us, and we know you, your word says you'll never leave us nor forsake us, and that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. And, you know, Philippians 4 and 9 says that my God shall supply all of our needs, not some, not half, not three quarters, but all of our needs, according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. And meet every need that's in our sister Sophia's life right now, Lord God, and give her confidence when she speaks that she knows that she will be understood and that she has clarity and, and is able to articulate well. And Lord God, give her that that platform to speak, give her opportunities to share Give her the confidence to know that you're standing with her every time. And we thank you and praise you and give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this was the best night ever, and I thank you so much. I, I, I'm so full of love. And let's let some of the, let's not dilly-dally. Let the others <laughs> okay. call come in. All right. Time, that's an American expression. I study it, so I'm with it. All right. All right. Well, God in. bless you. God and bless thank you for your here. call and your encouraging words. All right. All right. Bye-bye. All right, so who we have next? Uh, Brother Jermaine is on the line. How you doing, Brother Jermaine? Oh, I'm doing very well. Oh, good, good. We trust that you got blessed by the Word tonight. Yeah, yeah, I did. I um, especially got blessed. I heard Doctor Bucker say, "Check yourself for your records." I was, oh wow, <laughs> <laughs> took me back. Yeah, right. Get that check up, up from the neck up, huh? <laughs> What's on your What's on your heart tonight, my brother? Well, you know, was, um, I just, I've always wanted to ask about uh, some of these churches where they have uh, generations deep attending the church, which is fine. But it just seems like um, they they especially have like the titles, like like uh, you know, first lady, and, and and it's almost like a royalty. I don't have a problem with some of it if it's genuine, but it's just they seem to handle the church like. Like it's royalty, and and the church is like a property. And I know people who have left faith because they've witnessed some of these families when the pastor would leave, and they just keep handing it down throughout the family, and it just becomes a problem, almost like like nepotism. And you know, it doesn't seem like they're treating it like God's church. It just seems like it's more of a business. And I just wanted to know: is is any of that any kind of biblical? Because I've seen people literally just walk away from wherever they were attending, because they knew, you know, uh, such and such a son or even such and such a daughter was going to get involved in running things, and a lot of times they ran it right into the ground, or they, they kind of uh, coerced people into giving all their money away and didn't preach at all. So I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Well, that's a good uh, question. You know, I think the uh, mandate that we can look at is uh, in the book of Acts. You know, they weren't uh, generational so much led as it was spirit-led. And there were a multitude of people that were involved with this, and there was not uh, a lot of it uh, uh, generational families. It was just, uh, you know, leaders and others working with those leaders and that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, one of the things that, and, and some people may not like me saying this, but maybe it'll be uh, a different approach for some people. Uh, I know uh, a lot of churches use the term first lady and that sort of thing. 
if they want to do that, uh, you know, more power to them. Uh, we look at the thing as that we're all servants and that it's not a thing of first in any way. It's uh, Jesus said, he that is first shall be last, and he that is last shall be first. So uh, I think it's a thing where we just simply say, here is the uh, the pastor's uh, uh, wife, and she's a godly person of God and being used as a servant. And uh, Jesus always de- bucked uh, all things that people were always uh, putting things first. He always said, you know, other than him. Uh, but as far as uh, the church itself, uh, I think that a lot of things are going uh, haywire in our churches and because there is no um, pulpit, uh, godly pulpit guidance and godly deacons guiding things. And uh, uh, sometimes generational people will get in there in a leadership and continue it and on and on. And there's nothing wrong with sometimes generational people involved, but you also got to mix it up. You got to mix it up so it's not just one family and then the next, they're they're connected with the next family, next family. You got to mix that thing up because God always mixed it up. You know, that's the thing that was so unique about the early church and uh, that they were, the Lord said in um, Acts 1 and 8, go into all the world and make disciples. And he started off in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the, the world. And God was always dealing with the church and leadership on a global level. That's why he simply uh, changed things up from the Jews just thinking, hey, this is, this is God is only using the Jews. No, because uh, God called uh, Paul to uh, reach out to the Gentiles. So God always was in the business of mixing things up and changing it. And if we're never in the business of flexibility and change and risking change, we're in trouble because uh, God always had versatility. And that's one of the reasons why he even had Philip go to Samaria, which the Jews wanted nothing to do with the Samaritans. And then all of a sudden, Philip was uh, led by the Spirit into uh, Gaza, the south, to talk to an Ethiopian eunuch. And we find out later on that Ethiopia was, uh, revivals was happening there. I believe that uh, Ethiopian, when he changed, he had a great impact upon that. So versatility, we need to have that flexibility. And leadership is not based upon uh, generational people, but it's based upon committed people dedicated to the Spirit of God and also remembering God is always in the business of flexibility. Yeah, someone once said, you, okay. we're, married, we're married to the message, but we date the method. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so, right? Because the method's always going to change. You know, we're, we're not doing the same things we the first century church uh, did in terms of our services, in terms of how we meet, in terms of how we interact. All that stuff, those methods are, are constantly changing, but our message remains the same. And I think that when you... You know, we always talk about a healthy, well-balanced church, Dr. Buckner, that, yes. that acronym for well, well uh-huh. you know, is it a worshiping church? Worshiping right? and then evangelistic, evangelistic and loving, loving mm-hmm, and learning. learning. Mm-hmm. So I think it, are those elements present in that church, right? That's one thing you need to look at, you know, above and beyond who's running things, you know, is it healthy? 
right? So, you know, you can have a lot. I've seen churches where the, the pastor's son takes over after the pastor retires. So, you know, sometimes that happens. But is is the church healthy as a result of it? Mm-hmm. You know, is, are things in in disarray? Is it unorganized? Is there a board? Are there checks and balances? There's just there should be some things going on all the time that keep uh, you know the church from getting um, becoming co opted by any one family or any one person, so that you don't have a situation where it's one person without any accountability running the show. Amen. So hopefully some of the things that I brought out in Gary as well has been a help to you. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a blessing, and I always appreciate Brother Gary. He always has a nuance that has some detail that that wasn't discussed. It makes a complete answer. So thank you both very much. Yeah, you're welcome. Appreciate uh, you as well, and you're always your good uh, questions as well. All right. Well, God bless, brother. Okay, All God right. bless. Well, I think it's time for us to take that commercial break. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. And once again, we just want to uh, thank all of you who have been praying for Contending for the Faith and those of you who have stepped up to the plate to hit a home run financially for our ministry. Uh, it does cost us 400 a week to remain on the air. Right now, we're looking at a $180 deficit. We need your help. And there's two ways you can donate. Number one, send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith. Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Second way is so much easier. Just go online to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org. Click on the Donate button. It's that simple, and you will be a blessing for time and eternity. We want to encourage you, be consistent in prayer, and be consistent in your giving so that we can remain on the air doing the things that we need to do so that lives are touched for God's kingdom. All right, Dr. Buckner, you ready to get back on these phone calls? Let's do it, Brother Gary. All right, we got Brother Cece being patient tonight. How are you doing, Brother Cece? Um, how, how you guys doing? Oh, we're truly blessed. And uh, how did you get blessed by the word tonight? How did, did you Did you hear Sophia? Uh, yeah, did you hear Sophia? Yeah, I was. I was going to tell you uh, before I even got into what I was about. I was. I just wanted to tell her thank you. You know, so I really, um, I really appreciate that. I, I never take it lightly when someone uh, thinks about me or lifts me up in prayer. That's that's very good money in my pocket right yeah. there. That's. I mean, I, so I really appreciate it. That she that she lifts me up, and I will be adding her to my prayers. And also, you know, I really appreciate it. So if she's still listening. Um, God bless you. Very, very, very generous, and I appreciate it. We have a real bad connection with you. A lot of uh, static coming off the phone. A lot of static. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, can you feel here? That's better. That's, that's, that's much better. That's better. Okay. We're on okay. equal ground now. Yeah. Okay, good, good. Yeah, but, yeah, it's, it's a blessing when out of the blue someone names your name and holds you up in prayer, even your mother. So that's a powerful thing, and it goes out across the airways, and you never know who all else is picking that up and adding you to they're prayerless, so it's a it's a ripple effect. Amen. Yeah, and, yeah. I really, I really, I really, really appreciate it, though. So thank you. I really Amen. appreciate what she did. Yeah. And what's on your heart tonight, my brother? I want to ask you in First um, Corinthians chapter fourteen, verse four. Yes. I want to ask you and uh, give me some help on that. I've really been really enjoying um, how you've been breaking it down for me. 
Okay, and uh, you have your Bible there? Uh, it's right in front of me, the Word. Okay, why don't you read it for those who may not have a Bible so they can hear uh, the passage? No problem. No problem. I mean, first, first Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4, for those who may be listening, it says, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edify himself, but he that prophesies edify the church. Right. Okay. So what you want to do with this verse of Scripture, and this is something that I want to give you some insight on this. Uh, this is actually the first part of this verse 4 is a private tongue. This is known as a private tongue. So when he says, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. And what uh, follows this verse of Scripture? So, because we want to look at everything in the context, if you turn over to First uh, Corinthians chapter 14 and add a 1 to that and to that 4 and verse 14, it says, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. So what happens is when you have this private tongue, which is something that is between you and God, then uh, your um, spirit is being edified, uh, according to the Apostle Paul, and your mind as well. And so you're being edified in a private setting. And then uh, when you prophesy, which is preaching, then the entire church is being uh, edified. So this is the two P's, write down the two P's. So you have the first P, which is a private tongue, and then you have the second P, which is a public tongue. The private tongue is where you are being edified by your spirit, according to 1 Corinthians 14 and 14. Uh, and then the, the uh, other P, the public uh, tongue, is the entire church is being edified. But I want to add this to the edification is with the uh, interpretation. It always has to have an interpretation because people that speak in tongues without an interpreter, the Apostle Paul rebukes that and says, uh, if people, unbeliever comes and see people doing that, they'll think everybody is mad and gone to Happy Dale. So anyway, hopefully that helps out if you can think about it in relationship to two Ps. Yeah, we we're getting you faded out again with the noise. Whatever you were doing before, go back to that. Can you hear me now? A little bit better. A little bit better. Okay. Uh, okay. But but anyway, use those two Ps, and I think it'll really help you out into better understanding it, and then link it with verse fourteen. Okay, I got it. I got it. Okay, so we prayed around some things with you, uh, and we'll catch your prayer next time so we can have some time for some of the other people. Well, that's good. No problem. Thank you. All right. God bless you. All right. Let's go to Brother Rick. Brother Rick, how you doing? I am blessed. How about yourself? We are truly and blessed. Just want to give a clue to my sister, Sophia. She's a sister more in one, one way. Hey, man. I just want to mention that, and... Um, Got a, got a very interesting question. Okay, what's on your heart? Okay, and we, we, we saw we saw a lot of strife and discord when everybody thought that uh, that when, when we, we literally drink, drink we literally eat Jesus's flesh and drink Jesus's blood. And today it's become Catholic doctrine uh, 
say it's become a Catholic doctrine. How do we how do we uh, how, how do we explain that biblically? Yeah, the Catholic Church believes in transubstantiation, and that's the belief that when you do the communion, it's literally you're taking of the you're drinking the blood and you're also eating the flesh of Jesus Christ. And what they do is they isogete this uh, John chapter 6 and use it as a proof text. What they don't understand, and I want people to, to take note of this, what they don't understand is that in John 6, uh, this is not talking about the Eucharist, because the Eucharist was not done until a year later. Now, that's something very important to debunk in, in, in dealing with uh, the Roman Catholics and anybody else. And because some people were even taking this to an extreme level, uh, talking about cannibalism, you know, t- trying to say that Jesus was involved with cannibalism and his disciples and all of that stuff, which is demonic and nonsensical. And so uh, when you uh, look at the teaching of Jesus, kind of let me give you a, a breakdown of this. And people might want to take notes on this. When you look at the teachings of Jesus, you have to remember that he would teach with uh, paradox symbolism. Paradox symbolism. And if you never heard that word before, let me kind of tell you what it is. Is that he would uh, kind of like, uh, it's like an oxymoron. He would say one thing and then he would say another. It's like he would say, I and the Father, we are one. And then he would come back in another chapter in the Johannian Gospel, in the Gospel of John, and say, the Father is greater than I. So he says, Father is greater than I, he's speaking as a man. When he says, I and the Father are one, he's speaking as God. So that's a paradox, and it's a symbolism, but it's a literalism. And so this is kind of like the breakdown of paradox symbolism. Take note of this. And this is kind of like in a format. So if you go to uh, John chapter, um, I would say, uh, John chapter 2, and Jesus is discussing, right, uh, with the people about the temple. And he says, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And so they took him to mean it literal. So Jesus was speaking in symbolic terms and as a paradox. And then follow behind that chapter, chapter 3. And then he talks to Nicodemus, Nick by night, right? (laughs) Nick by night. And so he goes to Nicodemus, and he says, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God or see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus took that literal, but Jesus, again, was talking in a paradox symbolism, and he took it literal. And then you look at the woman at the well in John chapter 4. You see, talking about living water, she took that literal, but he was talking about himself, right? So when you get to John chapter 6, there are two key verses of Scripture that uh, gives this uh, uh, heretical teaching a black eye. And I want you to look at, uh, everybody, look at John chapter 6 and then verse 54. If you look at John 6 and verse 54, and then I'm going to give you another verse along with this one that debunks that, is John 6 and 54. Uh, he says, Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up 
in the last day. So the word last day is interesting because in John chapter 6, you have the last day mentioned uh, four times. You notice that in verse 39, uh, verse 40, uh, verse 44, and then uh, you move on where he's talking about it again in verse 54. So when he says, whosoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood has eternal life. So what Jesus is talking about is eternal life. Now, also this verse 54 points to verse 63, and it says, it is the spirit that quickeneth, and the flesh profiteth nothing. The words, notice what he says, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Isn't it interesting that you have um, uh, the spirit and you have life? Okay, SL, spirit and life. And that's what he's talking about eternal life that's the thing he's pointing to because in the context here the eucharist was not instituted yet until later on a year later so uh, people need to understand scripture they need to understand the timeline of when jesus did things and because a text oratory said this so profoundly a text taken out of its context becomes a pretext for error and that's so true today. So hopefully that's given some insight in relationship to paradox symbolism. Amen. Yeah, and what I always think about is, uh, you know, growing up Jewish, we celebrated the Passover because what we're really talking about is that all the things that pertain to Passover are symbols. And then, and then when Jesus introduced the communion, it was symbolic. Mm-hmm. So it, it really, it really continued on. That that was Jesus' continued pattern, right? So you you can you can improve on that verse sixty three where it says the words, what words? Everything that he said, everything he said prior to this verse, the words that I speak unto you, he defines what he's talking about. They are spirit and they are life. It goes back to. Um, verse 54, eternal life. So thank you, brother. We hear that music there. Thank you for your call and your good question, and God bless you. God bless. Take care. All right. We're going to turn it over to Brother Gary. Knock a home run in the name of Jesus. All right. Well, we've come to the end of tonight's very exciting broadcast, and we'd like to thank Vince, our engineer, Frederick, our phone counselor, and you, our listening audience, for being part of tonight's program. It's important for us to hear from you. Your letters and cards are an encouragement to us, so please drop us a note and let us know how the program has blessed you. You can reach us at Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Please keep us in your prayers until next week at this time when we once again give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner with always with one purpose in mind, to equip exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. May God richly bless you. And uh, my name is Gary Bell. Have a blessed Sunday. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.